Welcome back to the podcast. My guest uh, today is Daniel Buitrago. Is that right, Buitrago? Yeah, that's a that's a very good effort. Clo- yeah. <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> that means, hey, good job, but there's probably some sort of uh, little little something to it that uh, that I didn't pick up. Yeah, that's just the very uh, American way to say it. Yes, that's a, that's a very nice way of saying uh, how I said it. Yeah, good. Um, <laughs> Daniel is a co-founder of the Alaska Wild Project. He is the owner of Anchor Town Dogs in Anchorage and a graduate of East Anchorage High School. I wanted to serve that up for you. Yes, T-Birds. <laughs> um, I noticed when, when I was on your podcast, uh, I guess a couple of months ago now, um, you, you were, you were pretty adamant, pretty proud of, of being a T-Bird graduate. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not really sure why, but it's just like something that we're very proud of, of where we grew up and, and where we're at nowadays, you know, mm-hmm. pretty much coming from very little to being somewhat successful in, in ventures that we're, we're trying to do here. Mm-hmm. How much has Anchorage changed since you graduated? Cause I was, I think back to my hometown of Klawak and really nothing has, I mean, things have kind of changed, but as far as like growth, expansion, things like that, it really just hasn't. But Ketchikan has changed even in the, the years that I've, that I've been there. And certainly since I was in high school, uh, how much has Anchorage changed since you were in high school? Um, I think a lot of things have changed and some things have stayed the same. Uh, there's a lot more outside influence. I want to say like box stores and, uh, you know, chains, restaurant chains and things like that, that you see come through, uh, kind of put a sh- shutdown on a lot of the, the local old mom and pop stores and things like that, um, that were originally around when, you know, growing up. Uh, so that's probably the major change. And then the amount of people as well. I mean, there's so many more people now in Anchorage than when I was in high school, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Is that change been good bad is it a is a tie give and take i know it's a pretty complex thing but i think like your kind of your gut gut reaction to that uh has, has the change been good yeah i think i think it's it's been good but selfishly i wish that less people were here <laughs> yeah. um, but on the flip side you know having all the people here and the tourists here is good for my business mm-hmm. so i like i like i like that side of it but then you know when when you're stuck in traffic and you're in Anchorage, Alaska, it's probably the last thing you think that's going to happen up here, but yeah. it happens. You know? Yeah. I think that tourism thing is one of the reasons why Cloac has stayed pretty much the same. There isn't really much uh, tourism there. Um, there's some charter fishing and, and some outfitting. So people come there to fish and hunt, but they don't really go there to do much of a tourism thing, but that's been the huge engine economically speaking for Ketchikan. And it's, it's that give and take, you know, you got to have it because there's really nothing else in Ketchikan. It's there, there's fishing, but you know, that's not going to sustain everything. So you gotta, you know, you it's, it's, it is what it is. You got to have it and it's kind of nice and you rely on it and you need it. But at the same time, it would be nice to have, you know, the best of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a tough balance to want to keep. Um, I mean, tourism is it's, and we realized that, you know, the last year through the pandemic and as things start to get rolling again this summer, um, we really needed it. You know, we, it really affected a lot of people, um, not having the tourism around and people are, you know, grinding to try to, to catch up and, and just hang on. And, and I actually was caught off guard this year. 
um, by the amount of tourists that have actually come back to Anchorage. Mm. I mean, it's nowhere near 100%. I mean, I'd say it's like 40. But even to have that amount, you know, compared to last year where it was like a ghost town, um, you know, it's it's it, it brings back a feeling of normalcy, I should say. Mm. Have the conversations changed or is it just kind of like friendly people who are back in town asking crazy questions about Anchorage? Or is it kind of... Has it changed at all now post COVID? Um, we still get the crazy questions. <laughs> yeah, the tourists come up, man. They are wide eyed with all kind of crazy questions, and that's probably why you seen me at at my other location when you came to town because that's like a locals only. You know, that's by that state building there, and, and so I don't get all the crazy questions over there. It's like people that just go on to work and they're, you know, happy that I'm out there to help them out and. But, you know, some of the questions, I like messing with the tours. I, I yeah. do. It's, it is a fun part of the job. Yeah. It's fun when, when they are, they kind of acknowledge that, hey, I don't really know what's going on. So this question might be crazy, but I'm curious. I'm going to ask it. Uh, but some people can be kind of jerks, but, you know, th- it is fun. And it also reminds you that you're going to go somewhere and you're going to be the person who's out of, out of place. So, you know, that it's to be kind to people who are visitors is, is probably the right reaction to it. And for your job, you definitely have to. Oh, a hundred percent. And, and even more than just, you know, in the city and around, you know, business, I was out on the Russian river on Sunday with my son and we ran into this group of ladies who were obviously not from Anchorage, just, you know, or not from Alaska. They ended up being from Queens, New York. And they were just trying to find a local person that lived there and grew up there and they had a million questions. And I, they pretty much walked the whole Russian river with me until I pulled out into my spot that I like to go to. And, and they uh, asked me, you know, every question they wanted to ask. And I was more than happy to answer them all. And they felt very um, like they really gained some information from someone who's been around. That's cool. Is there a difference between people that you encounter at work and being tolerant of questions and kind of who they are versus when you do go to the river, when you go to the river, are you maybe less tolerant or the Russian is chaotic. It's absolutely insane. I, Abby and I went down there and it was just people everywhere, but uh, does that change or do you try to be an ambassador to the state when you're not being an ambassador to your business? Oh no, I think I'm always being an ambassador to the state and I I'm actually probably more relaxed. I'd say when I'm, cause I'm about to go fishing. So what can I be worried about? You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm willing to ask the questions. Whereas if I'm in the middle of, you know, work and you're getting all these questions when you're still trying to work, it just puts a little added stress, but I still like the people that come to Anchorage are just coming out and they want to just get a little slice of what we get to do all the time. Mm-hmm. And so for me to give point them in the right direction, you know, it's like, to me, it's a win-win. I love it. And, and, then, and then they'll come back on their way out of Anchorage and be like, oh, man, you're so right. Thank you for suggesting we go to this area or not this area. And, you know, you kind of get that, that, that win-win when they come back and, right. and just appreciate the, the knowledge that you gave them. You yeah. know, because all they really see is what they got online or if they're with some big tour group, you know, they're always leading them towards what they want them to do. But a lot of people want the real Alaska experience. So they want to go places where the tourists don't go or like someplace where I would go. And so, you know, I, I, I'm very open to give that information up to people that want to get a real experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was talking with Jack and we were talking about the Russian river and about people who might not be from there and are fishing it in a way that's not really conducive to actually catching fish. They just kind of are there for the spectacle. When you go there to, to your spot, um, do you say anything to people who are maybe fishing a little bit 
inefficiently. Jack was talking about, you know, when people stand right in the river, it prevents the fish from actually pushing up. So if you were to back off a little bit, you get more of that natural sort of fish moving up. Um, do you try to provide insight um, or is your spot pretty, uh, pretty solo and you don't have to worry about other people? Oh, no, there's people that are there. And a lot of time there are tourists who don't really know how to fit that certain part of the river or whatever. And what I like to do is I like to just observe and be quiet and then I'll go in and fish and they'll see that I got one, you know, fairly quickly. And then maybe I get another one. And then once they're really looking at me, they're like wondering what they're doing wrong, you know, but maybe they don't want to ask. And then I'll be like, you know, if you just back up a little bit, you know, they're kind of right there in front of you. And then they back up and they can actually see them. And I kind of coach them like, you know, you should probably do the floss thing right here. And you want to pull right there at 11. And then, you know, and then I just go back and move on back to my fish and kind of give them those little pointers. And then if they get one, the first thing they want to do is like point at you and say, fish on, you know, this guy. Told me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it was, it's so wild. I've, I've never like seen the, the flossing program before. I've seen, you know, there's, there's some terminal fisheries down in, in Southeast where you can snag uh, below the, the mouth. And so, you know, it's not that one is better than the other. Um, but it is the method and just kind of see that and see so many people doing it. It's almost artistic in its, in its method, but, um, cool to see, uh, for sure. Like I knew there's going to be crowds, but it's, it's really cool to just, just kind of see. And there was, there was definitely a different vibe, a different like camaraderie there. There's a lot of people who are just kind of hanging out having a good time. And you have to appreciate that because you can't just be about, I want to go to the river and have no one else there. You know, sometimes you're going to go to a place and it's going to be a spectacle and, and kind of enjoy it for what it is. Oh, a hundred percent. And that was actually one thing that I was explaining to my son um, when we were there, because normally his all of the experiences has been going on the raft or going on these other places where there's really not that many people. And, and he, he wanted to go to the Russian cause I took him there when we went at the end of the season where, when all the sockeye are all red, and there's no people there because all the fish are like spawning, but my son still loves to go and see the fish and just catch those red ones and practice, you know, good time for them to practice, like how to get the hook out of the mouth and, you know, how to get out of a snag. And there's nobody around, but there's all those fish in there for them to just play around with and have fun. And then I'm able to go there and try to get some trout and stuff. Um, but he wanted to go back and, and I had to explain to him, like, you know, when we go back now, it's going to be a ton of people to the same place where we went before and there was nobody there's going to be a bunch of people there. So it was a real learning experience for him to, to learn how to kind of sit back and wait and, and how you almost have to just like get right between two people, you know, like, like what's the, what's the space allowed? You know, is it, is there three yards, is it six yards, is it 10 yards? When, when they get to 10 yards, you can slip in there. And, you know, that was just a little eye opener for him. And I mean, he became a little frustrated at first, but then when I finally just stuck him in a spot, he realized, okay, well, you just, just got to kind of get in there, you know, or else you're not going to ever get a spot. Yeah. It, it helps when people are doing the same method. I've Abby and I found that out on the Kasilov when we were fly fishing, we we're, you know, casting long casts and we were, you know, swinging, like there were some places that we absolutely could not do that. So I think you kind of go there and you see what's, what's going on and, and adjust to that. It's um, that's important. That etiquette thing is, is, is key. So where do you go? Oh, yeah, it did not to be specific, but, um, are there plenty of places that are still available for you to have uh, that secluded fishing experience? Um, I wouldn't say like, you mean in the, on the Russian? No, like uh, just anywhere in general. So like, if you oh, want, anywhere if in you general. want to catch some sockeye, but it's going to be crowded, you go to the Russian. Is there something else? Like, okay, maybe we're going to go trout this weekend or we're going to go silver somewhere else that people don't really know about. 
Uh, I mean, I don't really go to anywhere that nobody knows about. I mean, just the, the ability to have the raft and go to some of these other bends where some people can't access ex unless you have a raft. Um, I like to do that. And I really like to camp on the river. A, a lot of people aren't doing that. Um, and so that gives you the opportunity to really fish late or really fish early when there's nobody out there. And so I have some really good corners, you know, after the ferry, pretty much any of those bends are, are almost just as good as right leading up to the confluence. There's just less people there or no people there. Yeah. So I like to go out there and that's, that's actually my favorite way to go actually get sockeye is to camp on the river, choose one of those spots, and then you can spend time and really learn that corner or that bend in that little area. And we've camped, I've camped on pretty much every corner on down from the ferry and even above the ferry. Um, but that's, that's my favorite way to just kind of get away from people unless you're doing like an ocean boat thing or like a Gokana, but that's more like, that's not more harvesting salmon. That's just fishing for trout. Yeah. Um, Abby and I found a spot on the upper. Um, it's, I think it's the last uh, put in before Ski Lake Lake. Is it Ski Lake Lake? Is that the right one there? Yes. Yeah. Um, JJ's James, Jim's John's Jim's Jim's. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so we hiked down from there, which is cool. There's a, there's that trail there too, which is nice. But, uh, like you said, it's kind of cool to find a little bit of space and, and learn it. And it was cool to, you know, we walked down river and, you know, no one else was, was there. And so we were able to kind of figure it out and it's a pretty crazy river to wave or wave because you can't see the bottom mm -hmm. and it seems like it's, it's pretty solid, but you can have this like little dip or this undulation and all of a sudden it kind of that it just falls out from under, under you, or you get this boulder or rock. So it was gotta be really careful, but it was fun to, to, to find a spot on the world famous Kenai river, you know, where we were catching rainbows and dollies didn't get any, any, uh, any sockeye, but um, yeah, just, it's, if you do a little bit of work, you can get away from that. And man, it's just, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, definitely. And, and a lot of people, I would say, you know, 95 to 99% of the people never go past Jim Landing. And so even if you have the raft and you're prepared with the motor to, to motor out of ski lack, um, that's excellent fishing there. And there's like nobody there. And there are those trails that you can get down in there that, I mean, you got to be willing to hike a little bit and to get away from the people and get that experience that you're looking for. Yeah. We hiked down and we were super excited. We're going to fish every little thing. We're going to fish it hard. It looked like the water kind of slowed down a little bit as it was kind of coming out of the Canyon or whatever. Uh, and I broke my rod tip within like a half hour of fishing. <laughs> I thought, oh, oh no. And it's, you know, so you're a couple of miles away from the, from the truck and you have to go all the way up. Yeah. And so, um, I just kind of watched Abby fish for a little bit and, um, she, she hooked up with a sockeye and, and it just took off down river. And it was funny because sometimes people like panic and just like grab the line when you're fly fishing which, you know, you're, you're so paranoid about the drag, just taking line, taking line, taking line. And so she kind of cinched down on it and then it took more line. It was just pretty sweet, but ended up uh, coming off. But, you know, even that as a memory of something, even though it's not successful, like you have those days where you can just, yeah, there was that day you lost the fish and I broke the rod tip, but man, that was some cool country. Yeah. Yeah. Just being out there is so beautiful. And even if you get one on and lose them, I mean, you lose more than you actually land. And just that feeling of having them on is great. And I love to like even have one on and pass it to my son so that he can just get the feeling, you know, of like, oh, this is actually a pretty big sockeye. You should compare this to like the little trout you got before or the dolly or, you know, even ice fishing that we love to do. 
Have you had the opportunity to instruct him on how to handle losing a fish or when it breaks off? Does he kind of look at you for, okay, I want to be really mad. Like what's the right thing to do? Uh, yes, that has been, <laughs> that has been a work in progress. And I actually think this last trip, he kind of got it. Um, whereas he would always want to put his hand on that line. And if it whips back out, you know, it only takes one time to really get that line burn on your hand. You realize, okay, I shouldn't do that. Yeah. You know? So, you know, I just tell him, well, you really want to put your hand on that reel and grab it or, you yeah. know, lift up, you know, if you keep your tip up, it's not going to, it's not going to run out like that. And so he just really wants to just like reel it in right away. I'm like, oh, you got to let him play a little bit, you know, especially yeah. if you got him hooked good in the mouth, he's going to turn and come back up. And, you know, when he gives you that slack, then you, then you reel it up. And so it's just a patience thing with him. And he just wants to get it right away. And, you know, he puts a lot of pressure on himself, but he's lost a lot of fish. So it's, he's used to losing them. You'll <laughs> <laughs> earn, right? So all the stuff that, um, you guys do or like you know anchorage type people a lot they'll head they're heading down the kidnap peninsula which is you know a couple hours away is there anything that's maybe later in the season that uh, that you head north uh, to to fish some of the other rivers maybe in the matsu valley or is it pretty much 90 90% of the time you're heading south for uh, for fish um i've really hit that 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 south central area the kenai peninsula area hard in june and then come July, I kind of transition to to start going north and kind of get the ATV out and, and start doing some of those trips. Um, I have gone up onto the Nally Highway and done some trout fishing for Brishkana. And we have that Golcana trip that's scheduled for next weekend. Um, so not really for not really for salmon. I, I, I normally stick to the to the south central area. Yeah. So I've learned this from, from Jack and just seeing other people. My buddy, uh, Steve is a doctor in, uh, in Anchorage and he's got, uh, he's got rafts and, uh, he bought a plane. I mean, it's just crazy. The amount of toys that you have to have up there seems like more than you even have to have down in Southeast Southeast. You have to have a boat. There's like no question about it. If you happen to have a four wheeler, then your boat's probably a landing craft, but up there, it seems like you need a raft or two. Um, you need um, a jet boat. You maybe even need an ocean boat, four wheeler, ATV, something. So what, what are the necessary, <laughs> and I use necessary in air quotes there. What are the necessary toys to really do that part of Alaska? Right. I think you definitely need a raft. You definitely need a raft. Um, a drift boat is nice, but that's really limited to the, to the Kenai there. Whereas you can take those drift boats, you know, to a lot of these other, other creeks, even up North. Um, and not necessarily that you have to have the boat, but you got to be buddies with somebody that has the boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so Brandon has the jet boat. So whenever we go do things like on the Deshka or on the Sioux, he has that jet boat or even up on the McLaren and on, you know, doing those type of trips, you know, we go on that. Like, so I, I look at it like, well, what, what, what do I have? And my buddy has this and what's something that could really benefit our entire group. And now Jack has the ocean boat, which is really, really cool. Um, my father-in-law had an ocean boat for years and years and years. And my wife grew up ocean fishing. Um, so she's recently been learning how to fly fish and how to river fish because she grew up on the ocean. And so that kind of like uh, gave me that opportunity, whereas I didn't need, I didn't feel the need to buy my own ocean boat where I was like, well, I can just go with my father-in-law whenever, whenever I want, you know, but, but back to your question, I think you, you need to have a raft. You need to have, an ocean boat or someone that has an ocean boat where you're willing to chip in the drift boat. Uh, the drift boat's cool, really cool for trout. But I think the, the raft on itself is, is a little bit, is a little bit, uh, 
more universal. Mm-hmm. And then um, that jet boat, man, that jet boat is, that's, that's, you got to have it too, or know somebody with it. Yeah. I think the, the hunting opportunities there would just necessitate that jet boat. Um, have you run a jet boat all, a, a whole bunch? I have not run a jet boat. Um, I, I always go, I always give it to the experts to take yeah. me up there because that's a whole different, that's a whole different learning curve there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Southeast, we got to worry about where we're going to anchor, you know, what the tide's doing, how big of a tide it's going to be, you know, making sure that the, that the hook, you know, catches and, and have enough uh, scope out there. So those things are our considerations, but you know, the jet boat, man, I just be thinking about, you know, some new stump that's out there, or, you know, you got to read the water so much, so much different than it, than it can be from the previous year, different sandbars and things like that. That'd be pretty intimidating. Yeah. It doesn't seem relaxing. Is, what, <laughs> was my, is the feeling I get like even being a passenger on a jet boat and you're flying up some river. I'm like, man, all these little turns, just one little thing could be there. And you're just like, Bloop, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it just doesn't seem relaxing. That's the feeling. It's cool. You know, it's like exhilarating, but I don't feel relaxed on the jet boat. No, no, I can't. I, I've been on a jet boat uh, once, and that was we were getting uh, taken up the Stikine River from Wrangell, and mm-hmm. we'd chosen to not float all the way down uh, back to Wrangell because the, the that river just braids out in all these channels, and you just have no clue where to go and no sense of like where you're at. Like, is this the right channel you should take? Is this not? And so uh, we we took the jet boat up, and it was a pretty big one, but. You know, it is, it just feels like you're fighting the river because you are, but, uh, and then just floating down, man, like it's hard to beat a nice float, good weather, yeah. just, you know, not even caring. You're more steering than you are rowing. Oh man, that's just great. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my preferred, uh, water is just floating on a river. Oh man. It's just, to me, it's relaxing. It's calming. And it just kind of gives you that that Zen and that reset feeling that you're looking for when you go out there to go play out in the, in the waters and in the woods. How close is that reset for you? Um, yeah, I think it became really big with COVID and, and, you know, people not being able to get outside and then not even having the chance to leave their homes and just how panicked and how cooped up they were. Um, but then in Alaska, it can kind of be the same thing. Like if you don't know anything different, you know, like, oh man, I'm just tired of Anchorage. I'm just tired of Anchorage. I need to get out to have a reset. Um, is Anchorage a, a great place because you can get out to stuff really quick? It's, it is accessible. And do people actually do that and follow through with it? Or do you just have big town, miserable people? Oh, I think there's a mix of both. Um, you definitely have the people that just don't know much about getting out, um, especially in the wintertime. But I think we are positioned very, very well to, you know, head south or head north. Um, to get away and to get that reset. I mean, I was getting that, you know, during, during the pandemic, even just going to some of these local lakes around the, around Anchorage for ice fishing. And that was just like, man, you're out there by yourself. It's a beautiful day. You know, it's not that cold. There's nobody around. It's quiet. You know, there's Eagles and it's just, you know, you can get that full reset right there, or you can just go, you know, not very far outside of Anchorage and just go to even Portage Creek and take your little one man raft and just go float that. And, you know, you can have a feel, you get a full reset there in a few hours. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important. It's, it's so nice to, especially during the, the winter, like you said, like having something that can kind of get you out of that. And it's, it's cold and it's dark and it can be tempting to just kind of stay inside and, and just hunker down until, you know, 
the weather gets nice, but all of a sudden it's been two months and you haven't really done a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. And I've been into lately too, is having um, like campfires in my backyard in the winter time. Nice. And it just kind of gives me a little a different kind of vibe there, like a camping vibe of when you're sitting there in the campfire and, you know, there's snow everywhere and, you know, no, no real worries on your mind other than keeping the fire stoked. Yeah. Some of the neighborhoods of, of Anchorage are, are great because they don't, they don't have that big city feel. Like there's kind of an attitude, you know, being from Southeast, a really small town and you know, people look at Anchorage and like, oh, that's not even, that's not even Alaska. Cause that's Anchorage, you know, that's just your typical big city versus small city attitude. But if you get away from some of that, some of the main thoroughfares, um, it definitely has a kind of a small town feel, which is, which is kind of odd being so much bigger than everywhere else. But um, when we were driving out to earthquake park to walk around a little bit, it just, you know, you couldn't, couldn't definitely tell such a big city. Yeah, you're right. And that whole Turnigan area, I mean, that's where I live. That's where Jack lives. And, and that's where I really want to live, you know, where I want to buy my forever home in that same area. Um, because you get that feeling of, um, of community right there and you get to know everyone around there. And, and the, the, they now have like the rustic goat that's right there. That's really, really cool. Um, we actually discussed that on one of the, on one of the podcasts that there should be more like little community neighborhood bakeries and breweries and, little things like that where you don't really have to travel far you can just ride your bike or even walk to some of these places and it just creates that that tight-knit community for that little area that you're in yeah community is such a huge thing you know we're we're talking about you know how we can be better for for students right how can they feel more um, connected with other people and how other you know even adults can feel connected with other people the community is so so important and that seems like one of the driving forces between or behind what you're doing with uh, Alaska wild project. So what can you kind of give the, it's a good segue. Can you give kind of the, the mission statement for, um, for Alaska wild project and talk about some of the things that you've done? Yeah. So, so our goal with Alaska wild project is pretty much to just shed light on all these different little cultures and all these activities that are going around us and happening around us at all the time that maybe you don't know about. And so you're so used to just, um, let's say if you're in the fat tire biking community and that's just your whole entire thing and, you, and that's you're in that group, but you know, side by side with that is the cross country skiing community and, and all their races. And then how does that transition into the summertime? And so there's all these things that people are doing, you know, from raising dogs for dog sledding um, to, you know, surfing the boar tide to, you know, ATV riding. And there's all these different cultures and clubs and, and activities that people are doing in Alaska, even from art, even from taxidermy and, and painting and building and woodwork. There's all these little Alaskan, uniquely Alaskan activities that are happening that actually create their own culture and their own circle of people that are doing that. And, and you know that some of these things are going on, but you maybe not, you don't know, you don't have an in into that, or you've never actually spoken to anybody that actually does it. You maybe seen somebody that rode your bike that was riding that flat tower bike, but you'd never really know that there's all these trails out there. So we really want to just get as much information from other Alaskans that are doing these cool things and just shed light on it. So that maybe someone that's listening can be like, you know what, I've always wanted to try um, whatever it is, you know, kite surfing you know out in cook inlet and, and it's like okay well we have the guy on and now you can actually contact him and and get it going so we really just want to shed the light on all these cool things that's going on 
on top of all the things, because we're super busy and active doing all the things that we do, but we know that there's still way more out there that we don't do. And we just want to create the platform and the opportunity for the people that are doing those activities to come and speak so that maybe they can draw some more people into their circle. Yeah. I think that, that that's so important, especially when you're getting through the winter is one of the biggest things that connects people together um, is just that, that commonality, that common thread. Like you might like to do this and I like, might like to do this, but you know, we're not that different. And like, I can appreciate, I might not want to windsurf or, you know, I really thought about it, but you know what? we're still in the same community. That's so important. And especially looking at Alaska and our, our rates of, of suicide, teen suicide, depression, alcoholism, things like that. we got a lot of stuff that we, that, that is very difficult. And there's a lot of stats that, that make Alaska look really, you know, just a bad place to be. Um, and it does probably feel like that for a lot of people. So these, these opportunities, and one of the things I really like about you guys is the outreach and stuff that you're doing to just invite people to be involved. And, and connecting them with, with cool things and cool people. And Hey, let's get after it. Let's, let's build the community rather just wait for it to come to us. Yeah. You know, and I, and I relate that to, you know, you might've grew up, even there's a lot of people that grew up in Anchorage who have kept their same circle of friends that never have done anything outside of the normal activities that they do. Um, But, you know, you, maybe you hear something on the podcast and be like, man, you know what? I've actually always wanted to, to try to go, you know, on this hiking trip, or I've always heard about doing this uh, snowboarding trip or whatever. And then, then they can have the opportunity to connect with us or reach out and, 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 you know, hopefully bring that entire thing to, to their circle. And I can also relate to it, to uh, ice fishing. Like we just got into ice fishing, my son and myself and Brandon had done it years and years in the past and he stopped doing it. And I kind of brought it back. And now we have this big group of families that we call, we're like, Hey, we're going out to finger Lake or we're going out to big Lake, whoever wants to come. And there's maybe like 10 different families now that have gone into it would have probably never done it. If one person just didn't invite them, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's, and then once they go, they're like, Oh, you know what? And then the next week you see that they went and bought a auger and they're inviting their other friend. And it just grows like that. And as you get exposed to these new activities and cultures, you might grasp onto it. You might not. It might not be your thing. You might go one time and realize, hey, it's not my thing. But you might also go buy an ice house and auger and be <laughs> calling us like, where are we going? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's funny. It's the, the Alaskans. I haven't lived anywhere for, for too long, but it just seems like Alaskans are so good at inviting people and say, hey, dude, let's go do this. You know, you know, grab your, grab your stuff. Uh, they like to show people um, different lifestyles. You know, I hadn't, I hadn't been up to Fairbanks for anything recreationally I'd just been up there for basketball and I was coaching. So I went up there in March during spring break to go uh, caribou hunting and ice fishing. And it was just, my buddy Harris was just so excited to be able to share that, you know, and say, cool, come out, come on up. Let's, let's do it. You know, and that's, that action thing is super sweet. Yeah. We love inviting people. We love it. And that's, and that's kind of been one of the things on our, on our project is we, we, we bring up these topics or some of these trips that we want to talk about and we get pushback sometimes from other people that, that go do that with us. Whereas they don't, some people like don't really want to give it up to other people. Like, Oh man, this is kind of like our thing. And in my, my, my personal mind, I'm like, man, I kind of want everyone to be able to experience this experience this because it's so cool. So we should just tell people a little bit on how to do it and what we do to, to make it happen. And if someone really wants to do it, they can call us and pursue you know, if they really want to do it, we can walk them through it. It's not like we're giving up uh, any secret spots or like, you know, 
exact details, but if someone was to reach out and they have, and people have reached out and be like, Hey, we heard that you guys do this. You know, what is the best place to put in? What is the best place to take out on this Creek? And, and what's a better fishing hole than I got here. I fish this all the time, but I always go to the same spot, you know, of any other places on this river or on this Lake. And, you know, I, to me, it's like, I, I want to share it with everybody. Yeah. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the dudes day that you had on uh, June 19th? It looked like a really cool, just gathering. What was kind of the mission behind that? And, uh, how did that turn out? Um, the dudes day, man, that turned out really, really great. Uh, basically we wanted to bring a lot of these local businesses and companies that have a lot of cool outdoor things and maybe things for dads all to one location. So that if you're a last minute shopper, um, or if you're shopping for yourself as a dad, you could go there and pretty much hit up instead of having to take a whole entire two weeks to go to Mountain View Sports. And then one day you're going to go to full car archery or one day you're going to go to this coffee company and one day you're going to go buy Alaska Wild Project or you're going to go to local greens. It was like, let's just get all these people that we know have cool stuff and cool things going on that people might want to hear about or learn about or buy a product of theirs and try to get them all in one location on one day so that people can kind of hit all of them at once instead of having to, you know, go through traffic. And, you know, you go to, you go to Mountain View Sports, you'll be in there for a couple hours browsing around and there goes the day. And yeah. then maybe you don't find something and you're like, Oh, well, I guess I got to go tomorrow to this store. Whereas with the dude's day, it was like, let's get everyone together, all these cool things all in one so that people can just feel like they can go to one place and find something that their dad will love or their, they will love or their brother, whoever they were shopping for. And I think we accomplished it. It was, it was a really good turnout. Was there any pushback with that? I mean, were there people saying, well, we already have this thing going on there, or did you approach some businesses that said, no, we're not interested at all. And then how did you handle that? Um, the only, the only pushback we got was people being understaffed to be able to run their store and have a booth set up. Um, so that, that was one like, uh, Kevin over there at Barney's, he would have loved to have been there. Um, but he's like, and I can relate to that because I'm understaffed with the hot dog stand and it's just, that's just part of what's going on right now. So it's tough. Like, do you want to close down the store so that you can be at this right. event? Whereas if you can't really afford to have another employee to go stand at this event, that was pretty much the only pushback we got. We had a lot of people that wanted to come and we, we had a cap on it. I want to say that we, we can only do up to 18 businesses for as far as the space for the booths. Um, but I want to say maybe f five of the people, five of the businesses that we really wanted to go there couldn't make it simply because of staffing. Mm -hmm. So who, kind of leads that or actually how does is uh alaska wild project kind of broken down you've got uh you jack and brandon like who's kind of in charge of each thing do you have roles or do you all just kind of work on stuff together um well we, we kind of have set roles right now but our goal is to eventually be able to do any of the things that everyone else does um so right now brandon and his wife reno really handle a lot of the merchandise that we do um a lot of the sales a lot of the shipping a lot of the organization of bringing in guests and the schedule and stuff like that. Um, and Jack is, is also involved with bringing in guests and topics that we want to talk about as where I, I, I have a lot of those ideas as well. Um, but I do a lot of the editing, as you probably know, it takes a lot. And it takes a lot when there's video when you're, cause we're trying to put out the video every week too. And that just adds a whole different element 
which is like a whole different full-time job to to record and then edit the audio and then edit the video and put it out and have a thumbnail and then along with that i run the instagram account and the facebook account and the email account so it's <laughs> so as this stuff is coming in i'm like relating messages to everybody and then we all make decisions together we're like all right well you know juggling these schedules is is crazy right now in the summer because you know i'm running gunning with with my businesses and jack has his businesses and, and brandon's got his all his stuff going on so it's like we're all on the same page we're talking every single day on text and sending sending these dates and this person can come in they can come in there but now are you on this trip oh i'm on this trip it's 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 a real juggling act but it's it's fun it's it's all a big team everyone's helping each other and i think over the winter we're going to uh kind of kind of brief everyone on you know how i do the edits so that if they want to do the edit or how do we keep up on the inventory so if someone wants to come in and buy something or give somebody to something that everyone can kind of do every single part because if one one of the cogs is out you know and i can't edit the show then like well someone's got to do it you know mm -hmm. so you should learn how to do it yeah but we, it just it just took off a lot faster than we thought it was i mean that's a good problem to have it, it really took off and it really gained a lot of speed right away. And so we're really excited that it's, it's doing well, but it is, it's over. It's a lot of work as well, which we didn't really anticipate it to be as much work as it is. Well, if you want to do it right, then you find new things they didn't even think about. Um, and then all of a sudden it becomes pretty, pretty crazy and overwhelming. Were there times like early on when you had moments of, oh man, I mean, is this even going to work out? Like, is anybody going to listen? Is anybody going to come to these things? Did you have to deal with some of that self-doubt? Um, I, I honestly didn't doubt. I didn't doubt that it was going to happen. And I just knew that we were going to record and we were going to talk and whoever listened was going to listen. And if it was 10 people, it was 10 people. If it was hundreds, it was hundreds. And we just wanted something fun to do. And really the expectations weren't that high, but I did want it to be successful. You know, it was something that I was going to be committed to. We had talked about this, like, if we're going to do this, we're going to commit to this and we're going to make sure that we are um, running this like we would any other business. Whereas we're being consistent, we're going to have a high quality product and we are just going to do the best we can with the knowledge we have. And, and it's been it's it's been a roller coaster. I wouldn't say there'd been much doubt at all that we were going to continue to do it, um, because we have a lot of fun doing it. I mean, it's so fun to be in there. It's 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 fun to go into that studio and, and be in there with Jack and Brandon and whoever the guest is. You know, it's almost like another cool trip that we're going on. You know, it's not fishing or hunting or anything like that, but it's like all right, let's go in there and, and be with the boys and crack some caribou calls and <laughs> kind of like a kind of like a guy's hangout, you know, but slash work. Yeah, well, it's cool that there's there's a product that comes out of it. You know, some people just have their, I'm going to get away and I'm not going to do anything, you know, to have something that's, that's your release from what you do for a living, but you're able to do something that like helps you feel alive. And it, that, having that separate hobby, that's something that's separate from work. It can be really invigorating to have that much work and focus going to something else. You just, you, you realize how many hours, 24 hours are. Like you can be super busy and I can't even imagine when it's like, you know, I'm married, but I don't have a kid and I'm a newlywed. Um, so I can't imagine that, but, it, but definitely that, that positive thing outside of your job to, to build and grow and, and put that energy into has got to be, got to be sweet. And I think it definitely reflects in what you guys are doing and just fun to see, like just the authenticity, 
You know, it's like, you, you know, guys you know are, are what you are. And that's, that's great. I, I'm really glad you brought that up because that is probably the number one comment that we get is that people can actually hear, or if you're watching to see the authenticity that we are really talking about things that we love to do. You know, we're, there's, there's no fake. We're not, if we don't really know about something, we're going to be honest and be like, well, you know, we don't really know. This is what we think. And we could bring someone in that does know, but the authenticity I think is what's shining through and, and doing the podcast is also really scratching our creativity itch, you know, whereas we're like, man, we're actually creating something, which is really cool. And then it's really, really cool to see it come out and then get the response that it's getting is, is just amazing. And, and it, it's, it's, it doesn't feel like a job. We're just being ourselves and we're just getting together and talking about topics we probably would be discussing anyway if we were out fishing or if we were out camping. So it's just being recorded. And at first, you know, when you first start, I mean, you're on episode 240 or something crazy <laughs> like that. <laughs> and I'm like, man, we're only on like 20, you know, and it's I'm like, just imagine when we're at 200, like how more relaxed we're going to be. And, and now that we've done several uh, we feel like our characters are coming out, our personalities are coming out, and the authenticity has always been there because that was one thing that we wanted to be sure um, with ourselves. It was like, listen, let's just be as real as we can with everyone and just be honest and open. And I think that's shining through, and, I, and I'm really happy that that's shining through. Yeah, there's. I've talked about this a few times with, with some people that once something gets, if, if it ends up getting big and really successful, it's almost impossible to be the person you were when you started. It's like that, that band syndrome, right? Like when you, mm-hmm. if you band from when they started and no one knew about them and then they get huge, oh, they're sellouts, you know, because it's like they're, they, something about their edge or something about them's changed. But that was kind of the goal. Like success has to be somewhere in there, right? I mean, I write for myself, right? I, I think about the audience. I want to communicate things, but at the same time, like I want it to be successful. Same thing with the podcast, right? I, I, I just talk to who I want to talk to about, talk to about what I want to talk about, but I do want it to be successful. So how do you see going forward, being able to hold on to that authenticity? Cause what if things just blow up and you guys become, you know, just, bigger and, and super successful. Like, is that something that's ever crossed your mind or are you, where are you? Um, man, I, I think we're so busy with what we got going on. We haven't really thought that far ahead that like, what if this thing really does get blown up? But I think we still want to be true to our roots and Alaskan as possible. Like, I don't really see us like, you know, taking these crazy ads from, you know, some outside company, like we want to support Alaskans and we want to be totally Alaskan and supported by Alaska businesses and Alaska people. So it's, it's, I mean, if it could get big like that, then that would, that'd be really, really cool. And I guess we'll have to cross that bridge when we get there. I mean, I don't know how that works out. If you just get a call one day and they're like, Hey, we want you to be on whatever, you know, yeah. meat eater or barstool or some other crazy, you know, thing. And we're not even, we're not even looking that far ahead. We're just, we're trying to stay with what we got going next week. <laughs> I think when people start off hoping that it ends up like that, that's when you get some really inauthentic content. And I think that's probably something you guys don't have to worry about again, just based on what, what you guys are doing right here. It just seems like something's pretty cool. And um, 
yeah, I don't think that's going to be something you're going to have to worry about. Hopefully it'll be very successful, of course, but uh, yeah, there's, there's interesting opportunities that come up. Like when I uh, published this, uh, this book, you know, I went through Amazon because it was just, you know, Amazon is the devil, right? Like, I mean, it, it yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, like that was kind of the best opportunity for me to get this out here. So it became about what I wanted to, to give to people and have them read. And, you know, Amazon happened to be the, the best vessel for me. So um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's give and take there, you know, but I guess the goal is to just remain authentic as possible and just be true to ourselves. And if, if that's what becomes successful, then, then we don't ever have to change. Yeah. That's good. So, uh, what's, what's coming up? Do you got some more late summer stuff going on? Any, uh, any events on the horizon? Um, as far as Alaska wild project events, we have been doing a game meet party, um, that we've been doing for years before we actually even started the podcast. Um, and that's something that we, uh, we want to, it was normally a boys night. And as, as you could tell, I mean, the women push back hard, you know, they're like, well, we want to come. We like to eat that stuff too. So what we're trying to do is, is almost like a potluck style, um, thing where we maybe go rent out a cool brewery, uh, maybe even a double shovel or one of the other really nice breweries in town. And we kind of just like rent out the whole place, um, have them involved and everyone bring whatever dish that you have from whatever, you know, critter animal or fish that you got that year. And so that it can give an opportunity for people to try some other flavors and some other um, Alaska meats and maybe even get a recipe that you like. And, and that's, that's something that the wives were really wanting to do because the boys, we get together and we, I did it at my house the last five years and it's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and now the wife's like, well, you know, we're not doing it over here anymore because <laughs> I got to send her out to Girdwood to go to, you know, Jack's cabin with the kids so I can have 50 dudes at my house. <laughs> nice. That's great. Uh, what about, um, what about winter type stuff? Do you have some specific things that you got going on for winter or plan to, to get through that? Um, yeah, I think we're going to, we're going to step it up big time on the, um, on the, uh, the single track stuff with the, with the bikes. I got a bike. I, I was listening to the podcast with you and Jack and you got your bike and I've been, I've been waiting to, to pull the trigger on, on a bike as well. Um, so we want to do some stuff with those guys and maybe set up some cool trips with that. And then we were also going to get together with, uh, Dustin from the bait shack and, uh, do some ice fishing stuff. I know he has a jamboree that's set up with Jewel Lake for the kids and he's setting up another um like a derby but for ice fishing so we really want to get involved with him and that and do some more community events where people can meet up at the lake and you know have a big feast and maybe do a live podcast out there i think doing the live podcast and going to these events and these places and these businesses is something that we're going to get into more because it just creates a whole a whole nother vibe um not for just the listeners but for the business that we're going to yeah, for sure. That's cool. Well, uh, what else do you got for like a closer, man? Where can uh, incorporate uh, where people could find you um, and just uh, any sort of closing advice, insight, thoughts or anything that we missed? Um, well, my uh, Instagram handle is Daniel underscore Boitrago. Um, it is also Alaska Wild Project on Facebook. Uh, Alaska Wild Project on Instagram, alaskawildproject.com. That's also the YouTube page. 
Um, I have another separate YouTube page of a lot of stuff that I was doing before we linked up and did the Alaska Wild Project thing. Um, and I think that uh, if people want to are because I feel like the podcast is a community as well and almost its own little culture and thing in Alaska. And I would love to see more people do stuff. So if there's anybody that's like tr have been thinking about doing a podcast or they want to try or have an idea, I think that they should do it. And I'd be more than willing to take a phone call or take an email and help people get their own podcast going, because I think there's so much more room and so much to talk about that. It needs to be more people doing it. Yeah. It's that uh, rather than, you know, everybody fight over, I've used this example a whole bunch rather than, and I got it from, I think Randy Newbert or whoever should cite my source, but rather than everybody fight over the same pie, let's make the pie bigger. Everybody's unique. Everybody has their own story. Everybody has their own, you know, authentic way of, of communicating. So yeah, more podcasts, better writing, stuff like that, but get that, that Alaska voice out there. Alaska is a multi-billion dollar industry for people down South coming up here to try to tell the story. Right. So might as well have Alaskans tell that story. Yes, exactly. Let's tell our own stories and get it out there because people are hungry to hear them. Yeah. But if you do want to come up here, then that's fine. Right. <laughs> We're not. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Come up and come down to anchor town dogs down there on Fourth <laughs> Avenue, get a hot dog, go to double shovel and get some cider and, and definitely do that. Perfect. I got to tell you that, that was a good day. We were uh, walking down uh, Anchorage and uh, stopped by, got some dogs and then uh, went and visited Jack at Double Shovel. That was, that was pretty sweet. Yeah. We, we, it was good to see you out there. I'm, yeah. I'm glad you guys had a good time. You and the wife, I was, I was following you on the Instagram there, all your, all your trips and all the fish and cool things that you guys were doing. I'm glad. I'm really glad you guys had a good experience down here. Yeah, it was fun. Or, or up here, up here to you guys. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's up. Um, different part of the state, you know, it's just, it's, it's such a massive state and there's different things to, to go out and do. So yeah, it's fishing, but it's a different type of fishing, different experience and just so much fun to be able to see a different, different part. Yeah, definitely. And next time you come up, man, we gotta have some more time so we can go take you out on the, on the raft and go take you out to some of these other spots. I, I, I'm, you don't have to twist my arm about that. And I know Abby's excited about that too. So yeah. Cool. Well, thanks right a lot, on. man. I really appreciate it. Thank you for uh, all that you're doing, uh, being a, a great ambassador uh, to the state or for the state. And um, we'll, uh, we'll be in touch. All right, Jeff. Good to hear from you. Take care, buddy. Later.